Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, episode six in our big season preview review special series with not just one, but two very special guests. We'll be talking about Werder Bremen with one of them and also look at SC Freiburg's season and prospects for the new campaign. But first, let me say hello to you, listener. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I am Christoph Biermann. And we're with you courtesy of your support. Um, if you can support us even more, that'd be even better. Uh, Beer and Honey is uh, wholly dependent on members of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. If you're not already a member, please sign up if you can, or even better, become an ultra. And as a courtesy of our appreciation, you'll get a special Beer and Honey exclusive uh, and very comely mug with Christoph in my mug on top of the mug. But first, um, we have a very special guest, one out of two, to look at FC Augsburg, the smaller of the two Bavarian clubs in the Bundesliga. And Christoph, you will introduce our special guest. Yeah, we're very happy, very honored uh, to have Günther Klein today on our show. Uh, Günther is the uh, uh, chief reporter sport for Münchner Merkur, a newspaper based in Munich. And he is there since 1998. He has covered eight World Cup, seven European Championship. He is an expert on uh, FC Bayern and also, and we talk, we'll talk about them, um, FC Augsburg. And we don't have the chance to, to talk about this today, but he's also a great expert on ice hockey in, in Germany. He was even the editor of the ice hockey magazine before he joined Münchener Merkur. And, um, and also he is very famous for his very colorful shirts he is uh, tending uh, to wear. He has a terrific selection of them. And um, yeah, um, uh, colorful Günther is not exactly uh, what FC Augsburg is. Um, we are always struggling here when we talk about them. Um, because they tend to play what we see as honestly boring football and also see them in a way as a boring club. What are we missing? <laughs> yeah, first of all, thank you for the invitation, for having me on your show. And uh, uh, thank you for the intro introduction. First of you know more about me than I do. <laughs> it was interesting to hear, to hear my curriculum vitae on this way. Yeah, FC Augsburg, um, it's regarded to be a boring club, as you say, um, because uh, it does not have a long history in the Bundesliga. Bundesliga history started uh, actually in 2011, but they never uh, were relegated. They are always a little bit in danger of being relegated, but they have um, they are similar to VfL Bochum in uh, your club in in the previous century. 
Um, they were in the Bundesliga all the time. Uh, everybody said, ah, they are, uh, they are not colorful, but they are there. And um, from my point of view, as an uh, Augsburg-born, uh, FC Augsburg is not uh, that boring. So we have some entertainment here with uh, Stefan Reuter as a head of sports, uh, acting at the... Uh, uh, acting towards the fourth official during the matches. So sometimes uh, a lot of things are going on in Augsburg. And and Günther, Augsburg survived uh, the drop uh, once again in the end uh, with a degree of comfort. Is this the best they can hope for under current conditions that we will see them always aiming to be 15th, 14th? Or do you, do you see some kind of perspective for them to aim higher? I know when Enno Maaßen came, the former Borussia Dortmund 2 coach, uh, there was an anticipation that he could somehow be a transformative manager and get a lot more out of this team. Has there been sort of a reality check of how much is possible with this team? Or do you still see some opportunity for them to have a better season next year. Yeah, truth is that uh, the people from FC Augsburg are not satisfied always ending uh, at the 14th, 13th or 15th place. Um, they have um, um, a colorful part of the history in the Bundesliga. That was the third season when they finished eighth and the fourth season uh, with the fifth place. Uh, They qualified for the group stage of the Europa League. They they survived the group stage and uh, in the round of 70 and the round of 32 they played Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Uh, the home game was a 0-0 draw and uh, in uh, Liverpool at Anfield they were behind 0-1 uh, uh, and they had a free kick in the last minute and uh, this free kick from uh, defender Stafelidis touched the bar. So they were very close at that time uh, to being promoted to the round of 16 and maybe uh, Jürgen Klopp would have been fired after this in, in Liverpool and uh, there would not be uh, such a brilliant Liverpool history. Um, if you look at the, at the current Augsburg team, there is some talent. Yeah, They uh, tried to, to sign players who have been successful in the under-21 national team. They have some of them who had been European champions like Niklas Dorsch, Arne Meyer, uh, Felix Odukai, now the new goalie coming from Mainz, Finn Dahmen. He was also a part of this success, successful German squad two years ago. They have talent from Switzerland, from Denmark, players under 25. So there is the perspective of being uh, a better team than, uh, than the one that uh, always is fighting for staying in the league. Um, they had a hard time with Heiko Halli as a coach. That, that was an awful time. Uh, he was an old friend of uh, Stefan Reuter, the head of sports, and um, they signed uh, Heiko Halli at the beginning of the corona crisis um, at a... Um, And uh, without this uh, corona crisis, Heiko Herrlich would not have survived more than some months in this uh, 
in this club. Uh, there were no fans allowed at the stadiums. And if they, uh, there would have been fans, yeah, they, they would have, uh, I, they, they would have been very angry, yeah. The way uh, Heiko Herrlich um, uh, let the team play, uh, Augsburg tried, the match plan was keep your uh, penalty box clear, um, beat away all the balls, hope for counterattacks and pray that you will, that in some way you will score a goal. Uh, the team played not to lose and this has changed. Uh, this has changed uh, uh, when Markus Weinzierl came back, who followed Heiko Herrlich and uh, this has changed a lot uh, since uh, Enrico Maaßen took over. Um, let me name an example. The first match after the World Cup was the one in Dortmund. And it was just a 4-3 for Borussia Dortmund. And Augsburg showed that they wanted to win, Yeah, that they can play offensively. And um, that's what they had for. They have some uh, ugly statistics. Yes, that's true. They are the team with... Uh, that does not create chances. Yeah, no, 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 does not create goal scoring opportunities. They are, uh, they are booked very often with red and yellow cards. Um, um, so there are some really ugly details, but the impression in the stadium that there is a team that it's alive. And uh, I guess that's why they hope for a better future in Augsburg. Um, Günther, uh, you, you, you were saying that um, uh, Augsburg has signed some younger players in, in uh, recent years. Um, this time they, they seem to try to, um, in general, make the squad younger. There are a lot of older players um, leaving or have been leaving the contract of Rafael Giekewitz, a goalkeeper, has not been extended. Andre Hahn's uh, contract has not been extended. Tobias Strobel is ending his career. Daniel Caligiuri um, is, is um, also leaving. So all players deep in their 30s. And um, <clears throat> uh, they signed in Sven Michel from Union Berlin, a striker that is also over 30. But in general, um, is their idea to make their squad younger and or, or what is their idea for the next season? What was what, what's the quality they were looking for? Yes, uh, they were looking for, for players with, with talent, but also a, a little bit of experience and, and success in the, in the under 21 or under 20 national teams. Um, they look for um, players with um, with a little bit more technical skills, yeah. Uh, in the in January, they signed seven players um, from France, from from Italy. So it, there was a more international focus, and um, uh, that showed that um, they want to improve the technical ability of the team because being the worst team in passing the balls among all five top European leagues. Yeah, that's something they definitely want to change. 
for the future. Before we go, um, Günther, um, we have a lot of American um, uh, supporters and listening listeners in the US, and um, a lot of them were uh, uh, interested in Augsburg the very moment when uh, Augsburg signed Ricardo Pepe, the uh, highly talented um, uh, striker uh, from the US. It didn't work out at all. Um, he was sent on loan to um, to one of the smaller clubs in, in Holland to Groning. And now he will be transferred this summer for 11 million euros to, to one of the big teams in, in the Netherlands to PSV Eindhoven. Um, so what was, was the problem with the whole uh, Pepe saga? What went wrong? Yes, uh, Stefan Reuter says that he still believes that Ricardo Pepe is one of the best young players when facing the net. So he's, uh, he's a real striker and um, he performed very well in Groningen. He scored 12 goals, um, but the team was, was relegated to the second league. That's why uh, he, he moves now to, to Eindhoven. The problem in Augsburg was he was greeted uh, on, on the red carpet and with very high expectations. High expectations because of the price tag. Uh, Augsburg paid 16 million euro. Uh, that was much more than they paid ever before. And he was 18 years old at that point of time. And we had the Corona crisis. So um, all other clubs uh, were very cautious in in doing the great deals, but Augsburg was uh, very offensive in this. Uh, the, the head of business, Michael Ströss, said they simply could afford this at that at time, and that's why they they did it. The price tag was one problem, uh, high expectations, also through the through social media. Yes, they they presented him uh, on the for the American market in a in a very offensive uh, way that was not typical for this small club and there was also a lack of communication between the then head coach Markus Weinzierl and Ricardo Pepe and the, yes they were involved in 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 in, in fighting uh, against being relegated And so uh, they had experienced players uh, in, in front, like Florian Niederlechter. And, and of course, uh, it was uh, the safe way uh, to, to rely on those players like, like, like Florian Niederlechter, who now plays for, for Hertha Berlin. That's uh, why they decided uh, that he can go on loan to the, to, to the Dutch league. The plan for sure was... Um, that uh, he will lift, uh, that Ricardo Pepe will lift Augsburg on a much higher level for some years. And uh, that uh, in 2026, for example, that they will transfer him for maybe 40 or 50 million. So that was the plan. Now they paid 16, they get 11 at, at this moment. But as far as I've heard, there is a, a rule in the contract, uh, 20% participation uh, if there is a future transfer from Eindhoven to another club. Okay, Günther, um, thanks a lot. 
Um, for your insight, um, in a club, uh, we are always struggling a bit uh, to, <laughs> to judge properly. And uh, what do you expect from them next season? Will we see them climbing up the table? Will we see a big jump forward uh, at Augsburg? Or uh, will they be in the relegation struggle again, like most of, uh, like in most of the recent years? Yes, uh, the, the goal um, is uh, to be a top 10 club. That's uh, what the club says now uh, and I think they can get close to it. Uh, uh, Mainz and uh, Union Berlin, I guess they could be role models for Augsburg. Yeah, they are not the richest clubs, but uh, they found a way uh, to develop their strengths. And uh, what is in favor of Augsburg that they have this clear concept with, with young players and, um, and with a young coach and uh, What is also important now, they bring a sports director to the club, Marinko Jurendic from FC Zurich. He was a Swiss champion in 2022. And uh, he brings along Hans Moser, uh, who worked for the Swiss Federation for a long time and uh, who is an expert in developing young players. So I guess they are ready to take this uh, challenge to go for for a better okay. place and uh, thank you very for much season without uh, for the coming on the show and uh, thank you. telling us all about FC Augsburg. Goodbye and have fun talking about the next club. Thank you very much. A club we have been praising a lot last season was not Augsburg, of course, but um, SC Freiburg. Um, and uh, I mean, we, we could have praised them for many years uh, now uh, because they um, are constantly overachieving in a, in a way. But Raphael, um, where are they now? Or um, where have they been coming to last, uh, last season? They... Uh, only nearly missed uh, the Champions League and played the Europa League again, as they did uh, last season. But where are they now? Well, they're still in uh, the sunniest and warmest spot in Germany, in the southwest. Uh, Christoph, <laughs> they have moved. They are, as you said, back in Europa League after finishing fifth. For a long time, it looked as if they might get into the Champions League for the first time, which would have been an Uh, incredible achievement, but of course they were pipped to that by Union Berlin. And now I think there's every reason to, to, to believe that they can continue overachieving, they can continue to do better than they should really be doing relative to their size, relative to their financial possibilities, because the team is basically sticking together. They haven't really sold... Uh, too many important players. Yes, Mark Flecken has gone, the goalkeeper. He's gone to, to Brentford to join his uh, former SC Freiburg teammate, Kevin Schade, there. Um, but that's really it as far as big departures is concerned. Um, otherwise, as we record this pod at the beginning of July, it looks very much like a very settled squad with Christian Streich, of course, the longest serving uh, Bundesliga manager there as well. And every reason to suggest that 
their fantastic form will continue next year. What's interesting, you mentioned Mark Flecken, who was probably the best goalkeeper last season in the Bundesliga, or at one least of them for in sure. The top three. Yes, together with Gregor Kobel or Frederik Renault at Union Berlin. But um, he will be, there, there will be, um, Florian Müller was transferred from Stuttgart to, to um, Freiburg, but not to replace Mark Flecken. They took an interesting decision at the club because the new number one, uh, so at least that's a plan, is a youth player. Yeah, it's uh, Noah Atubolu, who is a German-Nigerian from the, from the under-21s. He is starting, I think, the new season as the designated number one, but it's not going to be a clear-cut situation. So Florian Müller, I think, very much there to challenge and to maybe test the maturity and the quality of Noah Atubolu in case he's maybe not quite ready to make that step up. Freiburg have somebody there to to take over if, if necessary. So it's an interesting interesting setup, but of course uh, with a very experienced defensive setup that they have with Lienhardt and Ginter, um, and of course the strong midfielders ahead of them, uh, Christian Günther, the left back as well, coming back from injury, it does feel like a very solid setup. And of course we know that. Freiburg thrive on that hard work um, with every single player, irrespective of the position, working very, very hard out of possession. And that helps, I think, um, the goalkeeper. And that, that explains why uh, they've been so successful, conceding only 44 goals uh, last season, which for a team, again, of, of their size is a, is a tremendous reflection of their quality. Um the question that I have, Christoph, and maybe you have a view on this, is can Christian Streich just repeat the same success story until eternity? Or is there a point where either he feels he wants to do something different or the club start thinking, yes, we've come very, very far, but now if we change things just a little bit, maybe we can go even further? Or is there no indication that things will change? For me, there are no indications that uh, things will change. I think um, in his life as a football coach, um, Christian Streich won't uh, work for any other club. I mean, he is um, he is so happy to live there. Also, I mean, um, he can he can tell very vividly what it means for some of, of his colleagues uh, working. Uh, hundreds of kilometers away from their family and, and so on. And this is very important for him. I think there have been times when he was stressed, um, when he had he was feeling kind of too much of a burden. Uh, but that was when uh, Freiburg was in a situation where every season when things went wrong, they could go down. Um, because Christian Streich had uh, had gone through this once in, in his career, um, going down from the Bundesliga to the second division and then bringing the club up to the Bundesliga again. And uh, for him, it was, I, I wouldn't say traumatic, but in, in a way it was so stressful. The burden that he was feeling for him was so heavy. Um, 
that uh, he, he, he never wants to, to have this situation again. But um, as you said, the situation is, is uh, totally different now. The stress now is, do we qualify for international football or not? And, uh, and uh, as the club does not rely on uh, international money, um, uh, so everybody is quite relaxed and it's... Um, and also, it's a great group working together um, at Freiburg. Uh, uh, Jochen Seyer as a sports director, Clemens Hartenbach as a kind of squad planner, chief scout, and so on. The whole uh, coaching staff, they're working together for such a long time. And when you talk to them, they are not tired of it. It's not... It's not that they are not telling themselves anymore because they worked t together for such a long time. So um, I, don't, I do not see any signs that this uh, could in a way fall apart uh, in the near future, in the next season or whatever. I think it's probably, probably I would even say Freiburg is the most stable club in the Bundesliga when it comes to that. Yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that, uh, considering the longevity of Christian Streich and the fact that everyone is always on the same page and it's a very quiet club, but at the same time, fairly emotional when it comes to the atmosphere in the stadium and the relationship between the fans uh, and the club. It's, uh, it's a difficult place to play for uh, as an away team, as uh, a few European teams will will no doubt discover. Um, up front, there is a bit of a change. Um, they've lost Niels Petersen, who retired. We talked about him, um, one of the most successful subs in Bundesliga history, bowed out, bowed out um, at the age of 34. And up front, they will have Junior Damu, a 22-year-old from Salzburg, coming in, which uh, I think is going to be an interesting signing, Christoph, because the attackers that have done well in recent years were more sort of your, your orthodox number nines. Adamu is more kind of a, um, a hybrid striker, can play on the wings very fast, but not very physically imposing. Do you think it's, it's going to be a success for him there? Yeah, I think um, Freiburg probably needed some some somebody uh, up front with with a, a bit of a different uh, skill set um, because the the um, popular conception of them is um, that they um, play attractive football, possession based football, and and so on and so on historically. Uh, but over the years, um, Christian Streich, uh, for the reason I've, I've mentioned, that he was always so afraid to get in, into the relegation fight, um, that they uh, played a much more pragmatic football that I would say was closer to what Union Berlin is doing uh, than what they did in, when they were called the Breisgau Brazilians uh, many, years, uh, many years back. Uh, I, I think they have they are a much more complete team compared to um, uh, to Union with the with more abilities on the pitch. But in general, you see a lot of 
long long balls and, and so on. Very good from set pieces. Very good from set pieces, exactly. And um, so um, I, I, I think they've seen this and they've seen that they need an extra something else, a new element and so. I mean, Junior Adamu is young, he's 22, and, uh, but uh, uh, Freiburg is also great in developing players. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, this could be a, one, one of the uh, interesting signings uh, this season. Hmm. Yeah, and, and Freiburg are always interesting because they tend to do so much better than every everybody expects. Are we at the point where we expect them now to do really well? Or do you still look at this team and think they shouldn't really be in the top four contention with the quality that they have individually? I, I answer you with the, uh, uh, a funny thing I, I heard uh, some days ago. When Union Berlin started their season, so two or three days uh, into the season, pre-season training and so on, was um, Fischer told his team that the aim for this season is to get 40 points, to avoid relegation. And I think, in a way, um, Freiburg has a similar mindset. I, I don't know if, if Christian Streich comes to the dressing room, puts up a 40 and says that's what, where we're heading for or so. But I think in general, it's um, uh, let, let's get into the safety of, of, of the mid-table, far away from all this relegation, chaos and, and so on. And then let's see uh, what, 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 we, uh, what we can do. And... Um, I mean, if they next season, for example, if they, if they become tenth or so, nobody's complaining. I mean, uh, if things can go wrong, you can have uh, problems with injuries and uh, uh, bad luck, blah blah blah. But um, that wouldn't create any f hectic frustration. I mean, frustration, yes, but no hectic, no. Uh, um, um, uh, wrong decision in the heat of the moment and, and so on. So, um, yeah. And um, so answering your question, we don't expect um, too much from them, but we expect them that they expect that they don't expect too much from them and and then they overachieve it. Yeah, I think there was one too many expects in that in that uh, <laughs> <laughs> line, but I think I think I understand what you're saying. Um serial overachievers to the point that they're no longer overachieving. I think that, that sums up Freiburg. Yeah. Geographically very different, but Similar in terms of their previous success against the odd was, of course, Werder Bremen, or were, of course, Werder Bremen. And we have somebody very special to talk about, our friends from the north. Um, yes, we have a terrific guest today. Uh, it's Arndt Seigler, and I can say he is a genuine star in Germany. He has a, a TV program since 
2007 ist called Zeiglers Wunderbare Welt des Fußballs. Zeigler das Wonderful World of Football. He has a long history as a moderator in radio. He is a podcaster. He is a book author. And he is uh, from Bremen. Or he was born close to Bremen. In, in Bremen. Very close to the stadium. Yes. Oh. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. And he lives in Bremen. He is a lifelong Werder supporter. And since uh, 2001, he is also the stadium announcer in uh, the Weserstadion. Or uh, he does it on the basis of job sharing. So he is not, you're not reading out the results. Also, uh, one nil for Werder, that's not your job. You're doing the program around the game that's uh, oh yes I, i'm doing also the the announcements during the match that's that's ah, my okay. job too and since one year ago i'm doing the job on my own alone no job sharing anymore <laughs> no job sharing anymore next season i come and hopefully you have to uh, announce some bochum goals in the weser stadion but let's <laughs> but let's talk about the um uh, uh, last season and what's uh, in the future for Werder. Um, how happy or probably unhappy looking at the second part of the uh, season uh, are you about um, Werder's first season after re they returned from the second division? Well, I think it was um, a rather uh, good season for a team that um, started again in, in this league. Um, Uh, after a, a very um, horrendous uh, period of time before the the relegation, um, and um, yes, I, I think it it was by far not a perfect season, but it had uh, many highlights, many great matches that will always be remembered. For example, it, it, more than all the this uh, three two victory in Dortmund after being uh, two nil behind in the nineteenth minute. Um, yes, and uh, I think it was a great achievement of everybody involved that they uh, have, were safe um, two or three matches before the end, the end of the season. That was uh, more than we could expect after the promotion. But when you had such a good start and you uh, picked up, uh, what was it, 21 points, I think, after 17 games, there mm. were hopes that uh, this could be one of those surprise seasons when a team comes from Division 2 and, and challenges for the Europa League. Was there a sense of an anticlimax when things kind of just petered out in the second half and you survived um, without too many problems, but actually only um, three points off the relegation playoff spot in the end? Well, I think what uh, we uh, witnessed was that uh, a team like Werder Bremen has um, the same problem as many of the not-so-rich um, starters in the Bundesliga. Um, if, if it comes to um, the, the second leg or the, the last third of the season, um, it will always be a handicap if you have a, a, a squad which is not as good um, Uh, or has not as much uh, substance as Bayern Munich has if they have to uh, um, if they have to um, uh, bring supports uh, in the team um, replacements substitutes yes yeah substitutes of course um, for example I have uh, when when Werder Bremen plays Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga um, Bayern Munich uh, can uh, bring uh, substitutions that. Um, 
have um, that, that that were uh, as expensive as the whole Werder Bremen team. They, they uh, for example, in the last season, I, I thought they brought um, Benjamin Pavard as a substitute who who was as expensive as the whole whole squad of Werder Bremen altogether. And if it if it's uh, this relation, you can't expect that you uh, d don't see any differences between these two teams. And the longer the season lasts, I think uh, the more you you can see these uh, these circumstances. You can it it um, it's very hard to. Uh, to uh, be on on this uh, level, which Werder Bremen achieved in the the first part of the season for 30 or 34 matches, I think that's not possible. And that's what I think they try to um, to fix now in in the transfer period before the next season. Um, interestingly, um, Werder went away. Um, so at least that was my impression, where they focused more or less on their top 11. To have a very good top 11 yes and then when it comes to 12 13 17 and so on there is a uh, was a big drop in quality is that the correct observation i think that's what they tried and i think that's uh, also how they described what what happened um they um they did th probably they did um, kind of the opposite what Schalke 04 tried they Schalke 04 tried to to get a, a squad which uh, without any very highly pl uh, paid players uh, um, and Werder Bremen um, I think they they had uh, players like like Mitchell Weiser or, or Niklas Füllkrug who are, um, have uh, earned more money than every player by Schalke 04 did. So they they kept um, all the, these uh, these um, players who worked very well together in the second division, um, uh, and they they played with an almost uh, identical squad in the second uh, in, in the first league um which was a big advantage they had um, um if if you compared with uh, teams which had many uh, changes in their in their starting 11 um but that's again that's what what showed in the second part of the season if you have a, a very good and 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 uh, uh, stable first 11 um that may be a problem if if you have to to substitute two or three players in the in the, in the later part of the season and and the big question is what's happening with arguably your most important player you you've had this wonderful double up front uh, the ugly birds mm -hmm. they're known uh, colloquially mm -hmm. uh, because they're perhaps not the uh, most uh, eye-pleasing of, of strikers, but very effective. Mm -hmm. uh, together, Marvin Duksch and Niklas Füllkrug. Duksch is going to stay with Werder Bremen. He has signed a new contract that will keep him at Werder until 2026. But the future of Niklas Füllkrug is still very much up in the air. Mm -hmm. How important is it that he stays and how optimistic are you that he will? Well, it's a very tricky situation, I think, um, which um, is just um, showing because I think he's probably in a in a part of his career where he, if he if he wants to move to another club, he should he has to do it now. Uh, he's 30 years old um, and he's playing in a, the, the he just played the best season of his lifetime, uh, and there's the the Euro in the next year. Uh, um, which is very important. He's, he had a, a, a tremendous starting in the German national team uh, with uh, six goals and six in his first six matches. Um, but the problem is that um, if you want to um, 
or if 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 you are uh, intending to sell him um the 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 clubs that have as much money as you would need for him uh, are only the top clubs but the top clubs won't won't buy a player like Niklas Füllkrug who is uh, who's 30 years old who had one very good season on top level who had uh, serious knee injuries in the past um you you won't uh, you won't um uh, try to to go for him if you are Barcelona or Real Madrid um and on the other hand uh, for for Niklas Füllkrug it won't be um, uh, an improvement if you move to Mönchengladbach, for example. Um, so it's it's a very very difficult market for him, and uh, I'm not sure if he will stay. But I think uh, for him it is very important that he um, keeps his level, which or his his reputation, which he built for the for the for the German national squad, um, and he won't move to to another team where he might be a backup um, and he might not play regularly. Uh, so I don't I don't know. What will uh, what is going to happen? But I, for, of course, because he's a he's a, a perfect character for a team. He's a very intelligent uh, and and a strong character, and he's very important as a person, as a as a uh, personality for for the team, for the other players. So uh, I think everybody in Bremen uh, thinks uh, that it's, it would be very important if he uh, extends this contact. Yes, and. Um, on the other hand, Werder Bremen is uh, known for being uh, dependent on uh, earning money with transfers, and there are not many other players who might um, be interesting for for uh, bigger teams. So it's it's very, as I said, it's very tricky and it's very strange to or very very difficult to to um, say what is going to happen. Yeah, the <clears throat> last rumors um, is uh, are that. Um, Bologna is interested in uh, uh, in him, and is I think it's another perfect example about this dilemma. Probably Bologna has the money to sign him, uh, but will it be a good choice for him to to play at a mid-table Italian uh, Serie A team? Um, uh, Werder has already signed one striker, David Kovnatsky, from coming in from second division for Tuna Düsseldorf. Do you see him as a kind of uh, the guy that could replace Niklas Füllkrug? Is he seen as this or is he uh, just another option uh, for Ole Werner up front? No, I think there are two different, uh, two, too much different players um, and with, with uh, two different to two different skills skill sets if you want to say it this way uh, i think he's an add on for the for the existing uh, lineup um and he's a, a, a very good uh, good transfer he was a free transfer um he had already uh, played in uh, different uh, big european leagues he had some or uh, at least one uh, international um, appearance for Poland, uh, so he's he's uh, not a nobody, and he um, I like him as a player because when he played for Düsseldorf, he was uh, he was playing very spectacular. He, had, he did he, he scored spectacular goals. He's a very very complete uh, attacker, and uh, I think he's a very good um, addition to the the. Um, um, yeah, the, the tech players of Werder Bremen because um, they had these two 
great uh, performers with Duksch and Füllkrug, but um, apart from that, they didn't have much quality when they had to um, bring another um, uh, offensive player from 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 the bench. So, um, yeah, he might he might um, uh, be uh, an absolutely um, uh, good idea um, to to add him to the to the squad. But I I'm pretty much sure that if uh, Niklas Füllkrug will um, or should um, leave the club, they will definitely uh, try to to sign another. Um, Another attacker. The most spectacular uh, transfer so far, and I think it was a it's a real transfer sensation, is uh, that Nabi Keita is coming in from Liverpool. Um, why on earth decided he to join Werder? Well, nobody knows, and it was very surprising for 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 everybody here in Bremen. Nobody could understand uh, how this uh, transfer could uh, could ever happen. Um, maybe Raphael could uh, uh, could say more about um, the the way he uh, played in in, uh, in the Premier League during the last years. Um, if if he um, if he may. Um, Maybe able to to uh, get uh, near his um, his quality, which he had when he played for Leipzig. Uh, he would be an unbelievable uh, improvement of the Werder Bremen team. Um, and my dream is, as somebody who is uh, following this club for a lifetime, he may be the kind of player who. Um, who takes the club on another level which, which is somebody which uh, what what we all uh, for example had when uh, Johan Miku signed the, the club who was coming from from uh, Parma in Italy and he was uh, not not a, not a very lucky uh, part of his career and he made everybody play two two classes better than than before and maybe Nabi Keita uh, is a personality that may uh, be capable to do the same and uh, that's what we all hope of course of course we are not we are not uh, sure because if you um, can sign somebody like him everybody says well there must be some some uh, some hidden uh, problem with him which we all don't don't already already know yet because but we, because that's uh, maybe that's the part which uh, Raphael can can uh, speculate about. I'm not sure it's a hidden problem I think it's it's an obvious one with Nabi Keita. He hasn't been able to play a lot of football, unfortunately, through many injuries. And I think that's why a lot of clubs didn't want to take the risk. I'm sure he had a huge drop in wages going from Liverpool to, to Werder. And I would assume it's a very incentivized contract. The more he plays, the more he earns. Yeah. If he can stay fit and, and play regularly, then I think he's going to be one of the best signings of, of the Bundesliga season. But unfortunately, that is a big if. And what's what, what what what's quite interesting is that obviously um, Werder Bremen uh, got the opportunity to to get him because our what's what's the English word for Kader Planer? Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Uh, yeah, head of <laughs> recruitment. Yes, because our new head of recruitment, Jans, uh, used to um, get him to play for Salzburg many years ago. So they bo both never lost contact. And maybe he was one of the, the figures that uh, um, was playing a, an important role to get Nabi Keita to Bremen. Or perhaps Jürgen Klopp's uh, agent who has a close relationship to, to Werder Bremen and wanted to do, do them a favor, uh, tipping them off about his 
availability. But I think everyone is excited to see what kind of impact he can have because uh, in terms of the talent and the skill set, <laughs> he, he could be a transformative player for you, as you said. What is very interesting is I, I um, studied the the message board of the of the club um, uh, during the days before and after the transfer and after the transfer you can you could you could everybody see going mad and you could everybody the, the speculations were maybe we, we were we will be going for Tony Cross maybe he's he's uh, we could would get Tony Cross and uh, I, I don't know that there were speculations about very very uh, silly silly. Um, transfers uh, after in the days after but me meanwhile it gets calmer now because it's uh, four weeks ago um, since we since we signed him and uh, but uh, again it's very very exciting and uh, it was a was a kind of transfer nobody expected what you are saying has has to do with the general expectation a a around the club the club has some very uh, uh, difficult and hard mm -hmm. years um uh behind it and um what is your what is your feeling where is uh, where the heading uh, to now and what is the expectation is the general expectation hey we have been champions we have been a top team in germany we have to return there or is is a feeling more um Uh, we are happy if we avoid relegation struggle. Where, what's a, tell us a bit about the mindset of the Werder supporters. <laughs> well, I think a very frustrating um, uh, sign of the, the times in, in coming to football is um, I'm pretty much sure that I will never be on the balcony of the town hall celebrating uh, a championship with Werder Bremen, which is what uh, was... Uh, um, 20 years ago, it was the last time I did that. I, I've been there with the players with, and with the silver, silver, you know, silver works or what do you say? Um, Silverware. Silverware, yes. Um, and um, I'm, I'm pretty much sure that I won't, that it won't happen again in my lifetime. Uh, and that's um, probably one of the one of the biggest problems of the football in the biggest leagues that you have all those uh, uh, traditional and in a way old-fashioned teams that, that will never get back where they were. Um, Cologne won't. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt did a good job, but they won't uh, be playing for for the uh, championship. Uh, the, the Hamburger SV or Schalke 04 won't. Hertha BSC won't. Um, so um, I think the the, the the differences were uh, meanwhile are too big. You can't uh, be uh, as good as uh, Borussia Dortmund or Leipzig or or um, Bayern Munich. There's Union uh, Berlin. Uh, Union Berlin is an example for somebody who found a niche, I think, and who did very well in in, in the last years. But um, You, you see, there were you were there were time uh, clubs from time to time which were able to be the, to fill this uh, this gap uh, for two or three years. Eintracht Frankfurt, Borussia Mönchengladbach played in the Champions League, I think, only two years ago, but they are uh, miles away from that uh, strength now. Um, so I think I think the problem is, um, and that might be a problem for you on Jung Berlin too, uh, if you are trying to to play with a big boys you have to uh, in, uh, do investments which uh, 
must be um, perfect. Uh, you have to you have to have work very good ideas to to um, build up a squad which is able to play in the Champions League. And maybe if you um, fail to play in the Champions League in two years, you may have uh, that's what happened to many teams. You may have a, a squad which is far too expensive to play in the Bundesliga with with these players without the Champions League. So that's what uh, Union Berlin has to uh, be aware of, and I think they are. They have a, a brilliant management um yeah but i don't know if you if, you, if i come back to your question uh, i think that uh, what just changed during the years is that there are many of this uh, these clubs which are mentioned cologne for example is uh, probably a club which is uh, very good comparable with Werder bremen uh, i think it's very good if you play uh, um in the in the bundesliga uh, on a on a very um yes uh stable level and you you are uh, if you have a, a perfect season probably you can be on sixth uh, position and play uh, in, in the european uh, league uh, and if it uh, if it's a worse season then you are on 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 13 or 14 but you probably uh, hopefully won't get uh, too close to the relegation um, ranks so uh, i think that's what Werder Bremen has to try uh, they have to try to uh, be uh, around uh, eight places 8 to 10 in the in the bundesliga which would be a very good uh, thing to do after the relegation uh, nobody expected them to be back there as as uh, as soon and um, i think that's what what is possible if they um, probably are, will be not losing niklas fulkrug on in in, in in front um yeah and i th i think much more is not um the, the, the thing what is imaginable uh, in, the, in the moment at the moment but uh, i think that's that's a, a good uh, good aim uh, to be a, to be a, um, a part of the bundesliga for years to come okay um thanks a lot uh, arnie for your terrific insights um Good luck for the next season. Um, I, I think you're totally biased when it comes to to, to Werder Bremen, uh, uh, giving your job and your uh, lifelong um, a lifelong being a Werder supporter. Uh, thank, uh, thank you so much, and let's see what happens to Niklas Füllkrug and Werder. As we are talking in English and talking to probably English people, uh, we should mention that uh, sadly Horst Dieter Hörskis just died. Uh, probably the biggest hero of the club who played in, in, in the Wembley World Cup final against Geoff Hurst, um, and he play uh, he, he died in uh, with uh, in the age of 79 years uh, some days ago, which is uh, a very sad, very sad moment for this club. Did you did you um, ever ask him if the ball was in? <laughs> I didn't dare to. Um, no, I, I don't. I think I know the answer. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much and um, have a good time. So same to you. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much, Arndt. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in and for supporting us. I was Raphael Honigstein. I'm Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.